Bible with you today, please open to the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter, looking at verses 11 through 30. Again, John chapter 10, verses 11 through 30. If you are able, please stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. This is the Lord Jesus speaking at the beginning of this text. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not know, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing For the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I, might, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At the time of the Feast of Dedication, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Pray with me. Lord, this is your word, exactly what you intended for us to hear and to know. Remove every distraction from this place that the word of God might go forth. Grow us, change us, shape us, Holy Spirit, according to your will. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Please be seated. Friends, as a reminder, please use your bulletin. As we go through this sermon today, there's an outline of the sermon on the back of your bulletin. Friends, we know for sure that Jesus Christ is the master teacher. And as we have learned in the Gospel of John, Jesus goes to great lengths to teach us exactly who he is. 
You know, if we look back into the past at the Old Testament, we find that story in Exodus 3 when Moses is standing at the burning bush and he calls Moses to go to Egypt to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses says, Lord, I don't even know your name. And God tells Moses his name. He says, my name is I am. I am that I am. That is my name. And we fast forward to the New Testament. We get to the Gospel of John. And Jesus Christ, seven times in John, says, I am. And when he does, he's identifying himself as the same God who spoke to Moses out of the bush in Exodus chapter 3. But what we're finding is that in these seven I am's, Jesus takes us further, he dives deeper to teach us exactly who he is. So far, we've learned five of these I am's. Five weeks ago, we learned from John chapter 14, I am, Jesus says, the way, the truth, and the life. Four weeks ago, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, from John chapter 8. Three weeks ago, our brother Blair shared with us from John chapter 10, I am the gate. Two weeks ago, we saw from John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. And last week from John chapter 6, we learned that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Well, today we get to number six. The sixth I am, Jesus says to us today, I am the good shepherd. Well, friends, what does that mean? What is Jesus trying to teach us as he identifies himself as a shepherd? Three things I want us to see today from this text. Three things we can learn about Jesus being our good shepherd. Number one, that the shepherd knows his sheep. Secondly, that the good shepherd cares for his sheep. And third and finally, the good shepherd dies for his sheep. Let's look at those three things today. The first one, the shepherd knows his sheep. Look back with me at verses 14 through 16 and also verse 27. Verses 14 through 16 of John chapter 10 teach us. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. In verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It's the word of God to us today. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever met someone famous? Maybe had your picture taken with someone famous? Maybe an actor, comedian. Who was it that you met and maybe had your, your picture with? My brother is a politician, and he's met a lot of famous people um, over the last 20 years. He's met presidents and vice presidents. He, he has his picture taken with many people. How about you? I remember three years ago, I was down at General Assembly in Mobile, Alabama, and Tim Keller was there preaching. 
And I saw even other PCA pastors lined up to get their picture with Tim Keller. They wanted their picture with the great Tim Keller. I thought about it. I took a picture from a distance, but I didn't go get my picture with him. Maybe you've met a sports star. Anyone have their picture with Cam Newton or Luke Keekley out here? Some of you might. Well, for me, you know who it was? Peyton Manning. In 1998, a month before the draft, I got to meet Peyton Manning. In fact, I got to sit beside him in a Cadillac, in the back of a Cadillac for 20 minutes, and then I got my picture with him. It was, it was so neat to do that at that time. I actually had that picture in my office. Some of you in this room have seen that picture. If you ever want to see it, come by my office and I'll show you a young Adam Mumpower who has a lot of hair and Peyton Manning. Now, some people look at that picture and they say to me, Adam, I didn't know that you know Peyton Manning. And I'll think about that and I'll say, well, I don't really know Peyton Manning, but I've met him. I mean, I can recognize Peyton Manning. I might be able to quote you some stats that Peyton Manning still holds a single season record for 55 touchdowns in one season and any other thing that you might like to know. But I don't know Peyton Manning. I mean, I don't know his personality. I don't mean, I don't, I haven't sat and talked with him to know his intimate secrets. He doesn't know me. We don't know each other. I've, I've met him. I recognize him. I can acknowledge him, but I don't know him. Friends, it's interesting how we use the word know sometimes in the English language, isn't it? Sometimes when we say we know someone, what we really mean is that we can recognize them. We can identify them. We might be able to quote some stats about them. But we really don't know them. We don't know their personality, their wants, their fears, their doubts, their anxieties, their needs. We don't know their deepest secrets. We can simply recognize them or identify them. Well, friends, in the Bible today, we find that the word know has a much deeper meaning than simply recognize or identify. In fact, when we look at the Bible as a whole, in the book of Genesis and in the book of Samuel, the word know carries with it the meaning of a love relationship. It's far more than recognize or identify. In fact, it's a love relationship between a husband and a wife to know someone. In the book of Amos, God says this to Israel. He says, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. Now, we clearly know that means, or it doesn't mean that God can't identify or recognize other families. It doesn't mean that. It means that he has a unique love relationship with Israel. In fact, in the New Testament, doesn't it say that Joseph did not know Mary until after Jesus was born? So we find that even Joseph waited to know Mary, to have that intimate love relationship 
for a later time. Well, friends, in our text today in John 10, Jesus teaches us that as the good shepherd, he what? He knows. He knows his sheep. So this goes way beyond recognizing or identifying, rather is talking about an intimate love relationship that the shepherd has with his flock. In fact, the Bible depicts Jesus Christ as the great bridegroom and the church, his flock, as the bride of Christ. And in this passage, Jesus teaches us about different relationships of knowing. And all of these levels go well beyond recognizing and identifying. They all go to a love relationship. Let's look at them in this passage. Verse 15 is that first relationship of knowing. Look at 15. It says in John 10, 15... Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. The first thing Jesus says about knowing is that my Father knows me, and I know my Father. Before the shepherd ever talks about his relationship to his sheep, he looks up and says, I know my Father, and my Father knows me. Let me read to you a quote from Dr. Kelly about this knowing relationship between father and son. Listen to this. The best definition of personhood, therefore, involves relationship, especially when considering that the Bible says people are created in the image of God. And is God a single, solitary individual? Of course not. You see, God the Father has always been the Father, and thus He has never been without a son. Scripture also teaches us that the Holy Spirit is eternally part of the Godhead as well. That means that the one true God has always had other persons within his own life with whom he could share and communicate. Thus, from all eternity, the real definition of person involves relationship precisely because God created us in his own image. Friends, what this means is that before God ever created There was a love relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father knew the Son, the Son knew the Spirit, and the Spirit knew the Father and the Son. For God to be is for God to be in relationship with himself. Think through that one. And there was a relationship of love, of knowing in the persons of the Godhead. So Jesus moves to the next level in verse 14. In verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. And jump down to verse 27. Jesus adds this in 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So not only does the Son know the Father, and the Father know the Son, the Son, as the shepherd says, I know my sheep. They recognize my voice. And they follow me. Maybe you've called up one of your friends or one of your family members on the telephone. And someone answers. And by the sound of the person's voice, you know 
if it's the person that you want to talk to or not. You've spent years developing a relationship maybe with your sister or your brother or your mother or your father, whoever it might be, a grandmother, grandfather. And you know by the sound of their voice if that's the person you want to talk to or not. Jesus takes that illustration and applies it to his sheep. He says, my sheep recognize my voice. They know me. They can tell if it's me or not. And then he moves further. He says, not only do they recognize my voice, but they'll follow me. Here's a question for all of us. Who is it easier for you to follow? Is it someone that you intimately love? Or simply someone you can just identify or recognize? See, we're well beyond identifying and recognizing. This is talking about a relationship of intimate love of the shepherd to his sheep. And then verse 16, Jesus takes it to another level. Jesus says, the, Jesus knows the sheep that are not in his fold. Did you catch that in verse 16? I have sheep that are not of this fold, Jesus says. That means that Jesus has sheep who are not in Israel. Friends, this is the picture of the gospel going not only to Israel, but to the whole world. In Acts, Jesus says, yes, you'll be my witnesses here in Israel, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. But then you're going to go out, where? To the ends of the earth. Friends, the gospel has moved from Israel. And it's moved to Europe and Asia. It's moved to Africa and South America. And yes, it's even come here to the United States, to Union County, to Indian Trail, North Carolina, right here to Church of the Redeemer. And when Jesus is talking about the sheep that are not curling in his fold, he's talking about you. He's talking about me. Friends, yes, Jesus knows his sheep. Do you know the Bible goes so far that it says in Revelation 13 that if you're a believer in Jesus, that your name has been written down in the book of life? The shepherd knows his sheep. Your name is on the heavenly roster of those who've been saved by Christ. Yes, he knows us, but we also know him. The Bible says that God's Spirit has identified with our hearts and has put the Spirit of God in our, heart, our hearts that cries out what? Abba, Father. That we know we're God's child. We call out to Him as our Father. Friends, the shepherd knows his sheep. And the sheep know the shepherd. The second point today is the shepherd cares for the sheep. Let's look back at verses 12 to 13 and also 28 to 30. 12 through 13 say this. He who is the hired hand and not the shepherd does not own the sheep. He sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. 
He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now look at 28 through 30. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus, the master teacher, in this section, contrasts two different things. He contrasts the hired hand with the good shepherd. Let's examine that as Jesus teaches us this morning. Jesus describes the hired hand in verses 12 through 13. What does he say about them? First of all, the hired hand does not own the sheep. When the hired hand sees danger coming, he abandons the sheep. The hired hand allows harm to come to the sheep. You know why? Because this text says the hired hand doesn't care about the sheep. And friends, as we examine the hired hand in the context of the whole book of John, what we find is that Jesus is actually comparing this hired hand to the Pharisees. Let me walk you through that. When you look at the first nine chapters of John, it's the Pharisees who didn't care for the lame man at Bethesda by the pool in chapter 5. It was the Pharisees who didn't care for the woman who was caught in adultery. In chapter 8, in fact, they wanted harm to come to her. And once Jesus stopped them, they abandoned her. It was the Pharisees who did not care about that blind man in John chapter 9. The blind man and his parents stood before them. They testified what Jesus had done. And the only thing the Pharisees could do was revile him and threaten to cast him out. That's the hired hand. But on this side, the context of what Jesus is saying, he's teaching us on this side, there is a shepherd. And that shepherd is Jesus. And as opposed to the hired hand, here's the way the shepherd is described in verses 28 through 30. The shepherd gives his sheep eternal life. The shepherd says to his sheep, you will never perish. The shepherd says to his sheep, no one can snatch you out of my hand. I'll share a story with you. I told the story a couple years ago, but since we're back in this text, I'll tell it one more time. Back in 2011, we were living over in Lincoln County, North Carolina, and we wanted to go to the Apple Festival over in Lincolnton. Anyone ever been to the Apple Festival? Lincolnton, there we go. Robert has. Well, at the time, my family had three small kids. Brock was six, Macy was four, and Jack was one. And when when we arrived at the Apple Festival, we sort of arrived in the middle of the day, so it was, it was already packed. In fact, it was really hard to find a parking place. And once we found a parking place kind of far away from the festival, 
we had to walk all the way down the sidewalk to the festival. The problem was the festival was way down there. We were way up here, and we were right by the highway. There was a lot of cars, I mean, going really fast, zooming back and forth, zoom, zoom, zoom. So what did we have to do as parents? We had to protect our children. Well, Jack was easy. Jack was a little baby, and we put him in his five-point harness, right? In the stroller, he was good to go. He had the bottle. He was, he was good. The problem was my six-year-old and my four-year-old, because, you know, you think about it, parents, we, we really don't know sometimes what they're going to do in certain situations. They might not even see the cars or notice the cars, and they might run out into the road. So I did what every good parent would do. I put Brock in this hand and Macy in this hand, and we were walking down the sidewalk. Now, let's think about the grip that I had on their hands. I'll tell you, it was a good grip. It was a good grip. It wasn't a wimpy grip. I mean, I wasn't hurting their hands, but I had a strong grip on their hands because I didn't know if one of them, if one of them would dart this way, I would need to grip a little bit harder, but I wasn't hurting them or anything. We had a strong grip. And as we walked down that sidewalk and the cars were zooming by us on this side of the road, I want you to know that there was a better chance that my arm would fall off of my shoulder than my hand would let go of their hands. Why? Because they're my children, and I'm their father. And I love them more than anything in the world. And there was no way I was going to let go of my child's hand. Hey, and neither would you. We all care for our children. And I think about that day. And I think about the grip that I, as a mere man had on my children as strong of a grip as tight of a grip as responsible of a grip that I have with my kids the Bible says to us today that someone bigger someone greater someone stronger someone with so much more love and as someone just said someone who cares even more than I care for my kids the good shepherd that's who has a grip on me. And friends, that's who has a grip on you. You think it's hard to get out of daddy's hand? How much harder would it be to get out of the hand of the good shepherd? The good shepherd cares for his sheep. Jesus says to his sheep, you will never perish. No one will snatch you out of my hand. I and the Father are one. When we think about the care of the sheep, not only does this passage tell us the care of the shepherd, let's talk about Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. In Psalm 23, we see the care of the shepherd. It says in that psalm, the shepherd leads us and restores us. The shepherd is even with us through the valley of the shadow of death. The shepherd comforts us, gives us goodness and mercy, and that shepherd gives us an eternal dwelling in the house of the Lord. We've seen John 10, we've seen Psalm 23, but the Bible's not done. We look at the whole Bible. How does it describe the care of the good shepherd? In Matthew 4, 
Jesus says as a shepherd, he feeds us. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In 1 Peter 5, Jesus says the shepherd listens to us when we pray. In Philippians 4, he provides all of our needs according to his glorious riches. In James chapter 1, he says that the shepherd gives us every good and perfect gift that comes from above. James chapter, or that's James chapter 1. In Psalm 46, the shepherd protects us because he's our refuge and our strength. Psalm 32, the shepherd keeps his eye on us. Exodus 14, the shepherd fights for us. You see the difference? Because the hired hand, when trouble comes, when the wolf comes, he's going to leave you, he's going to abandon you, because he does not care for you. But when the shepherd watches over his flock, not only does he care for you, he looks out and he sees the wolf coming, and when the wolf comes, he defends his flock. Luke chapter 15 goes so far, it says, when a sheep wanders away, the shepherd leaves the 99, and he goes out to look for that one lost sheep. And when he finds it, he puts the sheep around his neck, he carries it home, and the shepherd rejoices because he found the lost sheep because the shepherd loves and he cares. For his sheep. Folks, 99 wasn't enough. Aren't you glad the Lord went and found you? Finally, the shepherd dies for his sheep. Look back at verse 11 and verse 15. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 15. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Folks, we have to recognize that the, this quality here of dying for the sheep. It's not a quality that applies to an ordinary shepherd. I mean, yes, an ordinary shepherd might try to defend his sheep, but die for his sheep? Probably not. So in dying, we understand that Jesus actually goes above and beyond the duty of a shepherd. You see, Jesus is not an ordinary shepherd. He's an extraordinary shepherd. He goes above and beyond the duties of a shepherd. Now, we've seen this before in Christ. Think through this with me. In the Old Testament, we looked at it last Christmas that um, Christ is prophet, um, Christ is prophet, priest, and king. And when we talked about priest, think about the Old Testament. Aaron was the first high priest. When Aaron went into the Holy of Holies, he had something in his hands, didn't he? He had the blood sacrifice in his hands. So the priest and the sacrifice were two different things in the Old Testament. Aaron would come in and he would put the sacrifice on top of the Ark of the Covenant. But the Bible also says that Jesus is our priest. And that Jesus entered the Holy of Holies on our behalf. But when Jesus entered, did he have anything in his hands? No. Why? 
because he threw himself onto the Holy of Holies. He was sacrificed for us. So you see in the Old Testament, Jesus goes above and beyond the duties of a priest because he was priest and sacrifice. You see the same thing here. In the New Testament, the shepherd laying down his life for the sheep was not something that was ordinary. That's what makes Jesus extraordinary. That Jesus goes above and beyond the duties of a shepherd when he lays down his life. And we see it, we see the, the New Testament gives us so many verses about this. Think about this. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. 1 John 4.9, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a propitiation, as a substitute sacrifice for our sins. You know, in normal life, when a shepherd, or if a shepherd dies for his sheep, that would usually mean the destruction of the sheep. But in this case, the death of the shepherd for the sheep leads to life for the sheep. Think about these verses, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. John chapter 10, verse 10, one verse before our text today, Jesus says, I come to give you life and that more abundantly. Christ's death, friends, leads to life. Friends, as we close this morning, I want to challenge you with three questions. Three takeaways. The first one is this. Do you know the Good Shepherd? I'm not asking if you can recognize Him or identify Him. I'm not asking if you can tell me something about Him. I'm asking you, do you know Jesus? Do you have a loving relationship with Jesus? Are you talking to Jesus? Are you being fed by Jesus? Friends, if you know him, I want you to be assured that he knows you too. He knows your doubts, your fears, your worries. He knows your anxieties, your troubles, your personality. He knows your wants, he knows your needs. He's the good shepherd. In fact, he knows you so much that the hairs on your head are even numbered. Even the small number that's on my head, Jesus knows them. He knows you by name. In fact, he's written down your name in the book of life. He's put his spirit in your heart. A spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. Secondly, do you realize how much the good shepherd cares about you? Do you see the difference between the hired hand and the good shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ? The hired hand, he'll run away. In fact, he wants you to be harmed because he doesn't care at all. But the good shepherd, he will lead, he will feed, he will protect. And you're in his mighty hand. And he will never let you go.
And then finally, if you are here today and you decided in your heart, you know what, Pastor Adam, I don't know the Good Shepherd. I don't know Jesus. I want you to see from this text today that the Good Shepherd has died for you. Because he's not an ordinary shepherd. He's an extraordinary shepherd. Jesus says to you today, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. Friends, I want you to know that God has demonstrated his love towards you in this. And that while we were sinners, Christ has died for us. In these I am's, do you see who Jesus is? He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the light of the world. He's the gate. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the bread of life. He is the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Pray with me, please.